Hey, this is Matt B for Rollerblading Podcast. This is Mikey Lynch, and this episode, another um, excerpt from the rollerblading novel that I'm currently trying to get published. Had a few little bits published in different kind of um, journals and stuff, but still um, trying to find a place to get the whole thing out there. <laughs> if anyone listening happens to have a lead, get in touch with me because um, uh, it's it's slow going trying to get, get the attention of publishers, obviously. So um, anyway, I hope you enjoy this bit. This is kind of towards the start, the experience of getting onto a skate shop, um, skate team for the first time as a teenager. Enjoy. Chapter two, the team. Tristan was invited first from their crew before any of them. Polly couldn't believe it. Why him? How him? Competitions weren't really a thing yet, so you didn't get made just by winning stuff. It was different back then. You hung around the shop. You hung around the right people. You just hung around. You waited. And you skated. And you hoped that people watched you skate. You waited. You hoped that people noticed you skate. You waited. Maybe you got your dad to film you skating and you dropped off a VHS tape to your local shop. You hoped you were lucky and they remembered you. And hopefully people remembered you and got your name right rather than give the credit to some other kid, which sometimes happened. Blade Trade team members got discounts in the shop, a team T-shirt, stickers, bag tags... The shop organised demos were unpaid at first, probably shouldn't have been when you think about it because they were technically doing advertising for the business. But they were. But when it was part of a festival or a sport event or something, that was different. That was work for hire. Paid hundreds of bucks to skate. But Polly didn't care about the money. Polly wanted in. Softly, softly he goes, thoughtfully, quietly cruises along. Mild pollocks, void of blame. But under the surface, dwarvish miners and balrog flames, diamonds and fossils and coal and mud and rock and iron. Why make a fuss, though? Why draw attention? Why let anyone know what you're thinking? Just watch and wait and stew and judge and watch and wait some more. He wanted in. He wanted the team cap and the team t-shirt. He wanted the team to see him, know him, name him, own him. He wanted everyone else to whisper about him. He wanted in. Tristan had the logo on his pencil case and Posca paint pen and tagged on his school bag too. He had stickers on the heels of his skates and the brain of his helmet, keyring on his wallet chain. Polly wanted it so badly. Who are you, Polly? I'm a member of the team. That's who I am, man. Pleased to fucking meet you. He'd dream about it, sitting in school, trying to focus on the teacher, talking and walking and chalking and asking questions. He drifted off to grab a high Japan 180 off the team launch ramp in some car park or beachside boulevard. Polly Anastasiadis, team rider, aerial assassin. He wanted it so much. Greed grows your life, builds your future. Greed feeds, 
Greed grows, greed drives, greed innovates, greed opens up doors, greed kicks down doors. Greed, Polly was greedy, starving, hungry, furious. Stevie Cameron knew about Castor and Pollux, the Anastasi brothers, for a while now. They'd been around. They were nice kids, polite, friendly. Some kids came into the shop and made a bloody mess. Left behind twisty packets and polywaffle wrappers and took skates off the wall racks and put them back in the wrong spots and would interrupt him while he was talking to paying customers. But some kids were nice enough. Some were really bloody helpful, actually. Santa's elves, they were. They'd help with stocking shelves and serving customers and clearing the floor. It was totally ridiculous. They'd do it for fun. He even got Pollux to clean the front windows once. What would these kids be able to do if they spent less time in the shop and more time, I don't know, anything else? Learning Japanese, working out, getting a real job down the road at KFC or Red Rooster. But they were doing something, same as he was. They were investing their time, same as he was. Investing in rollerblading. Polly, let's talk when I get a sec, Stevie said from the glass-topped counter where he was doing something with a receipt book in the till. Polly didn't dare guess. He looked at Castor and Shane and nodded at Stevie, super nervous. Yeah, okay, I'll hang around. But the shop got busy. For some reason, suddenly everyone in the world was getting skates for their ten-year-olds or a new helmet or skateboarders getting new wheels because there was no skateboard shop nearby, so Stevie stocked skateboard hardware too. Everyone suddenly turned up. All these bloody idiots. Dozens of them. Who the hell were they? Polly wandered up to the counter after 15 minutes and Stevie smiled at him and went off to the storeroom and Polly pretended he was just looking at wheels and bearings in the cabinets. He looked for a bit, not looking. Waited. A lady came up behind him and she wanted to pay for something, so he slunk back to the couches. He waited some more, wondered if he should say something. Shane had to go. Castor went off to buy some chips from the supermarket. Polly hung around, picked up a catalogue for Bauer skates and read the whole thing. Waited some more. Then Stevie walked up to him with arms full of T-shirts. Closer and closer and closer he came. He looked Polly in the eyes. How you going, mate? Stevie said. Oh, yeah? Polly said, heart speeding up. School and shit. You know. School going okay? Stevie asked, hanging up the shirts on a metal rack. Oh, yeah. Guess. Polly replied, putting the catalogue back in the pile. Stevie nodded, scratched under the LA Lakers cap, looked out the shop window a moment, watched a girl walk past. Polly watched him watching, desperately, achingly, attentively, scanning Stevie's cheek muscles and eye movements and mouth twitches. Yeah, Polly filled the space, noticing Stevie's pile of shirts was almost done. Heard the doors buzz, saw another mum and ten-year-old walk into the shop and wished them destruction. Hang in there, matey. Do your school and work. It'll be worth it in the end. 
Stevie put up the last shirt, gave him a wink, and walked off with burgundy denim billowing around his legs as he went. Castor came back. They headed home. Polly barely listened to what Castor was saying, barely watched where he was walking, replaying the afternoon over in his head, doubting now whether maybe Stevie had really said, talk to you when I get a sec. Or maybe he meant something else by it. Under the train platform were a couple of arcade games and a little hole-in-the-wall place that sold hot chocolates and artificial colours and flavours and sugars like sherbet bombs and warheads. Stussy Sucks and Katie for Ritchie and Stammers and Fuck Off Asians and whatever tagged up the tunnel walls. There was this girl at their tram stop right underneath the train station depending what time they got there. Have you had your meds yet, mate? Yeah, I have. Just want to get going, man. Come on, Castor whined. We've got heaps of time, Polly said, dropping strawberry Pop-Tarts into the toaster. Yeah, but... Polly was staring into the electric furnace in a trance. The later trams are always more full. It's annoying. Stupid. Castor saw Mighty Mouse slink past little black mask and gloves and coffee fur, felt an intense urge to kick him. Poor cat. Forgiving cat. Tolerated so much shit. Still affectionate. Mighty Mouse rubbed his face against Xenia, flopped in her mini bean bag, engrossed in Samurai Pizza Cats on Agro's cartoon connection. Samurai Pizza Cats. Samurai Pizza Cats. Mighty Mouse Pizza Cat. The girl at the tram stop had been there all year. He had a story about how her family had moved here, maybe from Adelaide or Perth, because he liked the idea of time zones and how moving from west to east was like travelling forward in time. Time traveller girl. Hey, Jackie, a girl said to her once, coming down from the train. Jackie. Hey, Jackie, I'm Castor. Come on, man. You can eat while you walk, Castor urged. I need to brush my teeth. Don't rush me. Mighty Mouse turned and looked at Castor, empathising. Turned and sat, commiserating. Looked at Castor in pity. At Polly in disdain. At the TV in fascination. Damn right, Mighty. Damn right. Mighty Mouse pizza cat. Somehow, in spite of Polly's obstructions, they had their lunch boxes and drink bottles and books and pencil cases in their bags and made it out the front door. But then, Pollux! Polly! Politikes! Stop! They stopped at the front gate. What, Mama? The forms? I told you a hundred times to bring the forms from the hall table. Ugh! Castor is napalm fire as Polly slouches back up the path and up the steps, grabs the envelope and kisses their mother. Would she still be there? Bloody forms. Brush your teeth. Hurry up. Fucking Pop-Tarts. They crossed the car park across the road from their place and walked through to the main road. Yes, <laughs> there she was. School dress. School hat, school blazer, 
school socks, school shoes, her black hair, a shiny mane like a shampoo ad, and that sweet button face. The best. Jackie. She seemed tired today. Anxiety? Study? Sickness? He wanted to talk to her about her troubles and nod with understanding and take her head in his hands and kiss her forehead and smell her shampoo and brush a lock of hair against his lips. Train doors beeped and hissed and the screech pulled away from the platform overhead. A crowd of school kids started to trot down the path to the tram stop. They clustered together to cross the road to catch a tram in the opposite direction. It was hard to see Jackie because kids were standing in the way. What a pain. Should he talk to her? What would he say? What would he say if he was Tom Cruise? Turned out some kid called Ace has been added to the team. Ace? Ace? Who the fuck is Ace? Maybe he'd seen some kid called Ace once at Paran, maybe. And now Ace was on the team? Polly went and hid in the library at lunch. But he got too bored there and walked the back perimeter of the schoolyard past couples and smokers hiding from teachers. Want to head over to the shop? Shane said at the lockers. Nah, not today, Polly mumbled. Who the fuck is Ace? Yeah, okay. See you tomorrow then, eh? Yeah, see ya. Maybe he'd watch some skate video when he got home. But the thought nauseated him. He'd just go home and eat cheese on toast and fight with his sister and stare at a wall and masturbate and go for a run. An entire empty week went by. Tristan. Ace. Can I talk? Can I grab you when you got a sec? Who the fuck is Ace? But then... Hey, Polly. How's things? Polly was standing by the long display wall of skates. Oh, yeah? How's your brother? He's okay, I guess. How's school? Okay, I guess. Yeah, good, good. Yeah. Stevie scratched under his cap. Good. So look, I've been meaning to talk to you. Yeah? Sorry it's taken so long, yeah. Get distracted, you know. Oh, yeah? No probs. About the team. Andy's out. Parents didn't want him doing it anymore with grade 12 and his grandma's sick or something. So he's out. They pulled him. We've got a space and we like what we've seen of your skating. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Oh, man, jeez. Yeah? Yeah. What do you reckon? Oh, jeez, totally. Oh, wicked. Thanks, Stevie. That's sick. It's not all fun and games, you know, Pollux. You've got to be available. You've got to skate when we need you to skate. And you've got to keep skating well. Got to keep developing. Yeah, I know he said, right into Stevie's eyes. And I'm putting my name on you, mate. You've got to behave yourself, yeah? Yeah, sure. Always do. He smiled. 
Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Hey, so come over here. Stevie led him over to the storeroom, unlocked the door, jammed it open, took him to the big central bench with drawers all through it. He pulled down a big green ring binder with plastic sheets stuffed full, unclipped the little metal bracket and flipped through the slippery, crinkly sleeves. Stopped. Slapped. Slid the sheets all together over the arch of the binding rings. Slid out a smudgy grey sheet. Here you go, Stevie said. You can take it home and show it to your folks if you need to. Polly looked at the speckled sheet. Like a faxed message had then been photocopied and then the photocopy had been put into the machine, but slightly skew if and a copy had been made of the copy. It was hard to read. Some ends of words cut off the edge of the page. All of it hard to read because the sentences didn't make any sense, actually. What's this got to do with skating and demos and Stevie? Stevie's just... Stevie. He's not like a businessman businessman, like some corporate guy. He's just Stevie. Stevie Cameron. You know, Stevie. Maybe he should show his parents just to be safe. But what do they know? Dad's just a builder. What do builders know about contracts? Maybe they'd cause trouble. Actually, Polly was terrified that if he took too long, Stevie would snatch the paper back. The universe fell away either side of him and he was on a column of rock surrounded by deep space blackness. This was a moment. Right now. Tristan signed this? He asked, stupidly. What? Sorry, nothing. No, what did you say? Oh, it's nothing. Just... Sorry, I was just asking if Tristan had signed the same thing, but it's none of my... Yeah, sure, of course he did. He signed it. They all do. Polly knew things could go bad with contracts. Like, didn't Prince change his name to the symbol because of a contract? Like in Wayne's World, where Garth talks about the guy in the Twilight Zone who signed a contract and they cut off his tongue and it survived in a jar and grew lots of baby tongues. Maybe when Prince signed his contract, he didn't know it mattered, either. Maybe he just felt lucky and frightened and rushed. Maybe. But, 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 but this was different. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was. There you go, Polly said, as he handed the scribbled signed sheet back to Stevie. Welcome on board. Stevie said, and offered Polly a handshake and clamped the other hand on his shoulder. What size t-shirt are you? And Stevie handed him a bag with cap, jacket, stickers, key ring, bag tags, socks, wheels. Ah, oh, medium. Sick. Thanks. Mad Beef Rollerblading Podcast is produced by Mikey Lynch. Theme music by Edifice Architect. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Stitcher and get in touch with us on our Facebook page. Mad Beef is supported by our growing number of Patreon patrons. To support the podcast, find us on Patreon. Even just $2 a month, every little bit helps.